Hey, and welcome to today's episode of Daily Musings. This recording is based off a blog post that I wrote a little while ago, and it's an adjunct to the post that I recently made about suffering and why we should all turn towards suffering instead of turning away from suffering. I came at it from a little bit of a different angle, but it's largely the same subject matter. I just feel it's a really important and urgent topic as the world is a challenging place to navigate right right now. Perhaps the golden years are over, everyone. Uh, My incredibly pessimistic hot take. Anyways, in defense of negativity, or a year of reading The Economist. I should note that I have not been reading the news with the same regularity that I did um, in 2021. But 2021 was a year where I picked a publication that I thought was relatively like neutral, well-respected, good journalism, high quality, The Economist, and I committed to reading every issue cover to cover. I mean, I'd skip the odd article here and there, but it was about three hours a week of reading uh, to get through one of those full issues. Definitely since starting university in 2022, I've not, um, I've basically been dabbling in, in the news uh, by comparison, but it taught me a lot about if if news is a source of, um, you know, does it bring down my, does it bring down my vibe, man? Anyways, here we go. When I was in my 20s, I proudly avoided the news, especially in my early 20s, riddled with anxiety. I didn't want to tip the scales and have more panic attacks. Life was already dark enough without me steeping in the stiff tea of the world's pain. Maybe that made sense at the time, and maybe I've grown less sensitive with each passing year. I don't think that's true. The indiscriminate consumption of news can still bring me to tears if the radio's on. I'll listen to politics and climate change conversations, but as soon as they discuss a murder trial or a kidnapping, it's off. It's easier to control news consumption if it's not on the television or radio. Reading is the best way to do this, but there's a downside. You could get stuck in an echo chamber of ideas that you agree with. That's why I made the choice to only consume my news from trusted sources, with the one exception that I'm not a perfect person. I enjoy a good Reddit discussion as much as the next person. Reddit's a good way to feel the pulse of the people. I wouldn't source all my news from there, but it's a good way to gauge how others are reacting to the news. A few years ago, I decided there was a major gap in my knowledge. I wasn't a total idiot, but I had no idea what was happening in the world. What were the major innovations and discoveries? Who were the major players? In what countries were, uh, was democracy threatened? What countries were at risk of war or worse? And do I need to know these things as an individual? Is, does it really matter if I know it? Could I be blissfully ignorant? After a year of deliberate and careful reading of The Economist, every single issue, often spending three hours per week with each one, I feel strongly and probably with a lot of bias that the answer is yes. But why? What, what's happening in Ethiopia hardly affects my day-to-day life, so why do I need to know these things? I am privileged enough to live in a wealthy country with a functioning democracy, and part of that privilege is being able to go into my bubble and ignore the many problems of the world. That's what I spent years doing, and it was fine. No one reprimanded me. My decision wasn't even particularly uncommon. Other countries live in a bubble by force, not by choice. 
China is shielded from reality with historical events being scrubbed and narratives carefully spun. No news reaches the people that isn't CCP approved. Or countries like Ethiopia and Afghanistan that are so immersed in their own problems, rebels overthrowing the government, that there's no capacity left to exit the bubble. Isn't that how it is? When you're wounded, you need others to care for you. But what about when you're healthy? You could carry on and live your healthy life. But what about when others are wounded? Who cares for the wounded if not the healthy? One way to express care is through understanding. I spent a lot of time this year learning about the world and the problems and triumphs within it, urged forward by a sense of caring, because I'm privileged enough, healthy enough to care. I have extra energy at my disposal to do something, even if that something is as simple as picking up a magazine. I hope one day to do much more than simply understand, though, because I don't feel that understanding is enough, but it's a start. To care for the wounded, you need to understand wounds, you need to understand how they heal, you need to learn about ointments and bandages and all the other medical things that I know nothing about, but at some point, understanding needs to be followed by action. I feel this acutely, and I consider it often. How can I help? People and animals are suffering, and I'm just reading in the comfort of my own home. My personal strength has been in teaching and communicating, which frankly feels a little wimpy. People are suffering, climate's changing, and I want to teach and communicate. There's nobility in ground level action. Tinkering on my laptop feels small. But I don't choose my strengths out of a sense of cowardice. My strengths are my strengths. Why waste time fighting myself, wishing to be a different person than I am? I only wish to be a better person than I am. I envision a path with a foundation of knowledge and understanding, which I can share with others through teaching and communication. In some small way, I want to participate in and inspire positive action. The path itself is unclear, but these things are walked one small step at a time. And in fact, this very recording is one small, 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 small step in that direction. It all begins though, I think, with confronting the negative and exiting the pleasant bubble that I've been so lucky and privileged to build around myself. I thought perhaps the negativity of the world would pull me under and kill my spirit. But in fact, something rather different happened. It's been kindling to my spirit. The fire in my gut has grown. It is not diminished. Anger is a force that can destroy. But it's also a force that can create because without anger, without facing the dark truths in the world, we welcome complacency, a cushy life that we are lucky and privileged enough to enjoy, while many more people despair in their ill fate. My favorite TV shows have always been Save the World types, misfits who band together to make a difference despite every stacked odd against them. How do we help anyone? How do we make things better? It's insurmountable. It's always been insurmountable. Us humans will inevitably destroy ourselves, except, except, except there's a small chance we won't. In those television shows I've loved, the heroes grab that tiny chance and fight with immortal spirit. It's not the victory that's the point, it's the trying that's the point. What you're willing to fight for, that's who you are. If any of you have watched the series finale of Angel, as in Buffy and Angel, like way, way back in the day, that like the last three minutes of the whole series is exactly what I'm talking about. 
it's the fighting that matters. It's the trying that matters, even against unbeatable odds. The thing that gives me hope as I immerse myself in the negative happenings of the world is that there are many, many people out there who really care, who have a fire in their gut enough to devote their lives to making the world better. And not just in a touchy feely way, making, you know, wealthy people happier. I guess that's cool too. I, I guess I mean a little bit more in a, a, a real way in the sense of reducing the suffering of those who suffer the most. There's a flaw in creating a divide, rich and poor, us and them, rich people and poor people both suffer. I've suffered. I'm not rich, but I'm super privileged uh, compared to the global population on a whole. I've not suffered in the sense that I've not gone hungry. I've not gone without shelter. I've not lived in a country that's at war. I will not suffer the worst effects of climate change, and I will not die from air pollution. I live in a democracy, a pretty good one. It's not the best, but it's pretty good. And I have access to clean water. I have access to decent education. I have a wide social net. I don't face destitution if something goes very wrong in my life. So I believe it's my moral obligation to do something about this. And don't interpret this as moralizing because just because that's the conclusion I've come to myself for myself. That's not the global conclusion I'm coming to. So everyone with privilege needs to embark on a mission to save the world. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. In case you were shaking your fist at me. This is what brings me to my laptop while my child is still sleeping before the rest of the house wakes. This is the thought that I need to share with you, no matter how imperfect it is. What's more important than reducing suffering? What is kinder and more compassionate? What is a better use of time? So I urge you, please, those of us who are privileged enough to do so, let's burst the bubble and find the strength to confront the suffering of the world in whatever way we can, big or small. If we are lucky enough to choose to insulate ourselves from negativity, then we must help those who live the very negativity we avoid. There are others who exist in the very reality we don't feel strong enough to face or we just don't feel like facing. Again, not moralizing. I'm not trying to, hey, you're, you're a bad person if you don't do this, but the very least that we could do. To circle around to the point that I made before in the other video slash podcast, at the very least, let's not turn away from suffering. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you in the next one.